Trident Wargaming. Build it, paint it, play it. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Trident Wargaming Podcast. I'm your host, Andy. Uh, today I have Jason again with me, my battle buddy. How you doing? Ba, 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 ba. <laughs> that means okay, I suppose. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. So always good energy here. Um, <laughs> definitely when it comes to, to our gaming and chatting and stuff for for everything. But as you know, we're we're chatting up some bolt action again. Uh, it's been a couple of weeks. We haven't had an episode of one, but uh, here we are. So uh, kind of this episode, we're talking about uh, essentially... Uh, a scenario that we played on uh, over the weekend. Um, this is a custom scenario that I've come up with with some help with uh, from Jason and a couple other guys too with ideas uh, for the upcoming D-Day event in October, uh, which uh, finally sold the last ticket for. So yay! Um, so that's awesome. Uh, but yeah, this this custom scenario we've. Played it a cu- well, not this one specifically. We've I've tried it a couple times with different players, um, with a lot of different outcomes um, and a lot of like large different things that happen in the scenario, right? Situations. So I think we have it down pat now. Um, but essentially, you're hitting the beach. Uh, it's a DD, you know, landing scenario. Uh, I've built six, uh, bunker hills, um, and ordered a whole, a uh, couple of, of, uh, mats for this event specifically. And of course, you know, there's craters and we have the boats and the hedgehogs and everything else. So, uh, pretty custom table specifically, or two tables specifically for this event. Um, so yeah, we had a, we had a pretty good long battle on the weekend. Uh, which was really fun. We had some pretty good moments, and it was it was pretty neat to see. You'll end up seeing pictures of the battle we had f- on our Instagram and whatnot, and we'll probably have them on our Facebook page as well, so check them out. Uh, but overall, how how was your feeling about it, Jason? How, how did you like it? How did you think it all went for... Uh, I liked it. I think... Uh... I think it went really well because at the beginning of turn five, I thought for sure I was losing and badly. <laughs> and the end of turn five, I was convinced I was winning and securely. And the, you know, the beginning of turn six, I was convinced that you had squeaked it out. And then I had managed to squeak it out at the end of turn yeah. six. Yeah. So I think when you have a game that goes up and down as far as uh, who's controlling the points, the, the victory points, it's, that's the sign of a good scenario where the forces kind of match. The, uh, you, know, it, it, you can match it as good as you want. One guy has great luck and one guy has terrible luck. It, nothing's going to change that. But uh, I think Scenario wise, it was it was pretty decent for sure. Nice and tough. Like I, I, I also think I like that. I 
felt the need to hit those bunkers and to get off the beach. Two things that you should see in a beach landing scenario. Yeah. Uh, you know, like I'm not sitting back looking for kill points or or whatever else. You know, like uh, you know the other ten things you could do to set up a scenario. Uh, so I think those objectives were were uh, primo, made it more cinematic. Yeah, and and that was the whole idea of uh, of these missions is to give the players the feeling of hey the, you know you're storming the beaches you're there's machine gun fire happening you're you know getting pinned down you're going through the obstacles um you know you're trying to make your way to the bunker or bunkers and the enemy territory at the back line um uh, in order to to grab victory right and mm-hmm. um and it it really started playing out like that towards the end and and i liked seeing it especially because like like jason played the allied forces and i played the access forces so um it's really good to see uh, i almost every time i've actually I, twice i've played as the access force and then the one time i played as the ally force um with a lot of mixed results over the three games and and i think this one kind of bangs it down now so uh but yeah, like there was times where in the game, like my my forces hit you hard on yeah. on one section yeah. of the board, and it's like, ooh, I think I got this. I think I I think I got this this corridor, and then it's like, nope, <laughs> shit's going down. Stuff's happening. Uh, you know, I'm taking too many hits. Or I'm taking too many pins. Yeah, uh, that kind of thing, right? So. The funny thing is, is my flamethrowers both stacked up against one bunker, both crapped the bed, yeah. and uh, and the other two bunkers I took down fine. Yeah. Okay. Uh, but yeah, so so no, it was good. There's like I said, there's a lot of things that that happened and a lot of things that came up in the game, uh, which can we can talk about as we kind of go through the the episode here. But overall. Um, and I'll give you a little bit of, uh, an idea of, of the mission. Cause I'll go through the mission, um, the scenario and stuff that I, I had written out. Uh, but overall seeing the, uh, you know, scenario parameters and, and special rules and the extra units and whatnot being played out on that battlefield, on that scenario I had a, I have had a really good feeling about it, right? Like, okay, yes, this is it, right? Because, like, remember I was telling you at the end of the match, we were looking, and I was like, look at your forces that you have left on your board. It's it's all, it's all the extra 500 points of reinforcements that you got. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So it, it was like, okay, that was a good call. Like, yeah, I, I like seeing that. It makes it. It makes it playable for the ally player, right? So, because taking, That's what, you know, taking the idea from a- actual historical event that happened to the tabletop sometimes can get skewed, right? Like it's, it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's it has to be playable, right? So, 
Yeah, exactly. It can't be too lopsided. And I'm all for an unequal scenario. Yeah. And uh, you just have to set the victory conditions to yes. meet that. So, okay, we expect that your force is entirely going to get wiped out. But uh, what turn do you go out on or whatever, you know? Uh, so I'm all for that. But you do have to make it work according to the victory conditions so that it's, you know, a game. Yeah. And and I think you uh, nailed it. And I will say, too, that it really felt like one of the scenarios out of the scenario books. Nice. Which was fun, because I'm loving those scenario books. Like, until we started the Stalingrad, I've only played a couple here or there. Yeah. Uh, now we're going through the Stalingrad ones. Uh, my son Elias and I are, uh, played uh, one from... A, DJ book. He has airborne army. So we're kind of working through some of those and that was super fun. So I, I love, love, love the scenarios. And, uh, this just felt like one of those is really well, well nice. put together. And it, it worked the good thing too, cause they do have beach landing scenarios. They have yeah. three books, four books about D day. Uh, well, no, they have, uh, two books about D day specifically, but, uh, um, the thing is, is that they use uh, theater selectors and they have rough suggestions for using alternative forces. This was using reinforced platoon. Like that's yeah. just a standard reinforced platoon, which works in the setting you're using it in. You know, and I, just to say, I like using theater selectors for scenarios. But that has to be like uh, me and my bud arranged yeah. it ahead of time. Yeah. You know, theater selectors are hard to pull off at, a, you know, kind of a, a bigger event or in a drop-in scenario, you know, type deal. Yeah. Uh, so this actually worked well for that, making it feel like D-Day, but using just bog basic reinforced platoons and i tried to and to saying that i did try to make it fit the theme a bit like i didn't bring artillery rolling up the beach in the first wave which technically you could yeah you know. yeah and and that's the thing i mean i know you like playing your games and, and making your forces very thematic to whatever you have in, you know, your idea, right. Or, or the scenario or the event itself. Right. Um, mm -hmm. which is, that's the beautiful, beautiful thing about bolt action is a majority of the players. That's how they go about things. Right. You know, we're playing early war and I want to play my French. Well, you know what I'm going to do with my French, right. It's going to be just mass infantry with artillery and, and, and kind of go that route. Right. So, um, but again, uh, yeah, it, it, it's great to see it. Um, like you took tons of infantry, which it was awesome to see. And, yeah. and I was expecting tons of infantry. Right. Um, so, and, and going back to the reinforced platoon, that was the whole idea because taking theater selectors in an event, in an event or a tournament, there's, there's too many, there's too many variables. There's too many extra special rules that these theater selectors get that are meant specifically for these 
pre-made scenarios that are in the campaign books, right? So things get a little skewed in tournaments when people start playing them. And and even in, actually, even in drop-ins, I've seen it before, um, you know, could cause feel-bads. But uh, again, like I say, you talk to your opponent. But um, overall, that was the whole idea, is reinforce platoons for this whole event, make it standard across the board. Uh, You can, you know, you can make whatever you want with reinforced platoons. That's fine. Um, just keep in mind that this is the th- kind of the theater that you're you're playing in, and uh, you know if you want to make the thematic look to your army and whatnot, um, get it all painted up. And there's even you know we even do have a prize for painting slash theme, so that does all take effect into into the event. So. Um, I think it's going to be great. I think people are going to have a lot of fun. I, I've already had a lot of people commenting on just a little sneak peeks of the table, you know, that, that I've, mm. I've done and you've seen it. You've seen pretty much all of it. Um, but yeah, as, as we're going through this, as we're talking about this, give you a little bit of background on this mission. Um, I will be releasing this mission probably shortly to give people an idea who are coming to the event of what, what's coming right like helps them build a force or helps them kind of say okay you know um i need to i need to build these extra units right so um i I don't want somebody to kind of be surprised at the event with hey this is what the mission is and you built your army kind of meh you know or i didn't take didn't take the extra units that i should have taken but and uh, and that that in mind too there's also uh, for this event there's also multiple battles yes so yes. they you do kind of want it and all have different uh, uh tables and objectives yeah. and uh, scenarios so you could really go hard for this scenario uh but might leave yourself you know weak for some of the other ones but uh yeah yeah so I have this mission. This one's pretty much almost in its final stage. I'll get it all done up, um, and then and then share it with the players that are uh, coming to the event. Um, and then the next mission I'm working on, which I have some pretty good ideas for. And then because uh, each table have a mission of their own, there's gonna be five tables. Two of them are the same because it's specifically the D-Day landings. And then uh, I have three others to do. So. Uh, it'll be fun, a lot of fun. Uh, but for this mission, let me just pull up my data slate, pull up the typewriter. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, so mission beachhead assault is is what I'm probably labeling at. Uh, the forces, the Axis forces, will have 1250. That's the standard points that we're doing for this event. Uh, this mission specifically. For the allies, um, they'll actually get a side pool of 500 points of infantry. This does not have to follow a reinforced platoon um, chart. You just have to take an extra 500 points of infantry. So you can take your infantry squads. You want to take another sniper, you know, that kind of thing. You can take those. So... 
but it does have to follow it to a degree. You're saying you don't need the minimum choices like a officer and two infantry squads. Correct. But you still can't bring like, well, here's my uh, six snipers or. Yeah, exactly. You, yeah. you, oh, okay. Yeah. I, uh, you're not going to be able to take like <laughs> 10 more mortars. Right. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, so um, that's a good little amendment. I'll have to make sure I put that in into the notes here. Um, but mainly, yeah, infantry. Uh, that's what I want to see come up on the board. So that extra 500 points really does go a long way and helps the allied player in this mission. Um, so it, it's, it's, you see it in action. You see it come on, right? So. Game is going to be seven turns. Deployment is 12 inches from the table edge, the long edge. Now the allies forces, they get to deploy uh, four of their boats, their landing craft. Um, they'll get to place it wherever they want to on that 12 inch line. And that's where your troops are coming off of. So that entrance of the boat, that's where they're coming from. Um, which I really liked because it uh, it made me make decisions because I couldn't just have everything like there is no doing a refused flank, yeah, because they just won't fit, you know. So yeah, uh, so you can't flank in this mission, obviously. <clears throat> so which I think I do have here. Um, I may not. I might have to add that in, but. Uh, there's a couple little different uh, things I have here for the allies and the Axis powers in this mission. Now, remember, we are doing a D-Day event, but this is our D-Day event. And knowing that not all the players in our community actually have, you know, the accurate um, forces to be fighting in these scenarios. Um, so you could be going up against some Japanese in the bunkers. Um, but I think right now, I think all the Axis powers are actually all playing Germans, which is pretty cool. And then I think all the ally players, um, except for maybe one, I'm not sure. I think Cam, I'm not sure what Cam's playing. Oh, he might be bringing Americans. I think he has Americans. Um, but yeah, it's, it's looking pretty good. So. We'll have probably Brits and Americans for sure. Uh, but yeah, the Axis defenders, so they get bunker defense. So this is one of the categories or special rules as well. Uh, so Axis players get to pre-deploy units into the bunkers, one unit per bunker. Remaining units come onto the board first turn as the first wave. I didn't want to do reserves with this uh, scenario because you want all like I didn't want units just held off the board and things to take time like mm -hmm. I, I wanted stuff to be coming up the, the idea with these missions and for for events like this like you have a three hour limit time limit which like I'm hoping is pretty enough good enough for players for this so I don't want anything to kind of like take even longer for stuff like that, right? You know. Yeah. Um, so, 
so their first wave comes on um for the allies as they are the attackers of course uh, like i said the latin craft gets to deploy um you can come out six inches of the boat when you first come out uh, your first wave is your 1250 so that's all coming on uh, and then you're measuring from the mouth of the landing craft uh, your second wave which is essentially the 500 points that you are taking extra uh, starts on turn two turn two and comes on automatically so again didn't want you having having to roll for every unit you know take time um, and it worked out well I think so mm-hmm. Um, so landing, there's also the rule for landing craft that provides hard cover from the sides, but if you're shot straight on, um, you're essentially getting no cover, but it ha- didn't really take any kind of effect in game cause you're actually just coming off the boat anyways. So it, it would, if you had, uh, I brought my force had light mortars. Yeah. Everything was mobile. So. Uh, I was hoofing everybody up, yeah. but I could see maybe a guy brings a medium mortar. The thing with that, uh, I think, I think the reason I put that in there was the previous time I played, I actually had deployed my units in the boats and then they would move off the boats. Right. So like my actual miniatures were actually on the boat. Um, before I started moving them. Oh and yeah. Where we just counted the entrance as the front of the boat. Yeah. Your deployment, right? So, um, because I remember I was playing Jordan and he would take some, he took some shots. Like he took a shot at my tank that was coming off the boat kind of thing. Right. Mm-hmm. So, and then that kind of came up. It's like, oh, well, and then, you know, one, one of my units got stalled on the boat. So it was like, ah, shit. Right. So that's probably why I have that in there. It didn't take effect in our game because no. So that's probably going to be striked out. Um, what else did I have here? Um, yeah, same thing. If the unit wasn't able to be deployed, they just come out six inches on the side of the landing craft. So special equipment. Now, here's here's another thing. Part of the, the mission was, um, we'll get to it later on, is the Allies had, there's like a, a secret missions, like a side mission. So they had to try to take out these bunkers as well. So they get some special equipment, some satchel charges, uh, you know, demo charges, whatever you want to call them. Um, so you actually get to select six units that get to carry these charges. Now, the rule I made up with them is in order for you to use them, um, you've got to get the unit, you know, within the bunker using uh, an advance order. Um, within three inches of it. And if you do, you have a chance at knocking out the bunker. So infantry squads would succeed on setting it off on a four plus. Now, if you have engineers in your army, if you uh, give it to them, uh, they'll actually succeed on a three plus um, to destroy the bunker. Now, when it was nice to see that Jason actually got to use this. Mm-hmm. Right, because you did get up there and you did use them, but and they're the ones that failed the roll. <laughs> <laughs> but and twice, that, and that's what I was gonna, that's what I was going to say is, it didn't just pop off like every time you rolled. No, no, right? there's 
Yeah. And I think that was the right call, making it a four plus. It's easy peasy to remember. Uh, plus one for engineers makes sense. They have better equipment. That's kind of what they do. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, it, it did not come off. And the other side too, I had, it took tw- two turns uh, to get that one to go. This one never ended up going. And the middle one I got on the first try. Yeah. But yeah. Which is no, pretty I, cool. Yeah, I think it worked. It made it cinematic. I was like those those dice rolls I was nervous for, mm-hmm. which is fun. You know, like you want to, oh gosh. Now, now the one, the, the thing with doing this now, um, the bunkers themselves, and this is, comes to the next point that we will touch on for terrain and special rules. So it's really, really hard to knock out those bunkers as you're coming on to the board. Um, essentially, Jason was doing pins to the, the troops that were inside the bunker, not really doing any damage to them, just just applying pins. Uh, now remember, you don't have big artillery pieces coming in and firing on these things and whatnot, right? Yeah. So, and Essentially, you need sevens. Like, pretty much guaranteed sevens yes. to hit anybody in a bunker. Yeah. Unless you're point blank and stayed still, you know, yeah, that's that's it. And they get the extra protection like a building. So yeah, and indirect fire can't cause any casualties, even if they do hit. Yeah, just so, just pins. Um, the only thing, yeah. I mean, the only thing that could really do anything to them would have been that high caliber shot that. Um, usually a building would be destroyed on, on 10 hits, you mm-hmm. know, with HE and stuff with bunkers, you need 12. So that's going to be really hard to get. So what we did as well, um, the ally forces actually get a free naval, uh, observer, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, Jason did use it, and he he did land a hit with it, and did some damage. You uh, you blew. I think you blew up my tank with it. I, I blew up your tank. It yeah. went up in spectacular yeah. style. As it got hit with a sixteen-inch shell. So it blew up the tank uh, and did some pins on the bunker, and then that was kind of it. So, hey, cool! You got to use the naval observer. We seen what it did. Yeah, it did some damage, um, but that's awesome. That's they were there. That that happened, right? Like shit, like that happened. Um, you know, in retrospect, looking at it, as I mentioned, I was like, kind of wish I took more infantry instead of that tank, right? So, um, I know, you know, Axis Force may have had a tank lingering here and there, but uh, mainly infantry. So, but. Yeah, it was, it was cool to see. It was good. I think that also was a, a good decision for players to, to have that uh, in there. Now, I can't remember if the reinforced platoon allows you to select one of those observers. Like when you're building your list. Uh, it does in... Uh, 
I'll have to look it up. In Tease um, Louise, Army Builder. Okay. But um, that might not be the case. I, I can't recall. Yeah, I'll have to look it up because I was just thinking about the concern of a player actually buying a second one. So, oh, yeah, but you you couldn't buy. I mean, you just put in, you can only have one. Yeah. So, so uh, pretty much point being. Cer- certainly one uh, naval observer, at least. Yeah. One per force. Um, so with that, you know, talking about the bunkers and whatnot and needing sevens to hit and gave you a naval observer for a chance to do something. Uh, the bunkers themselves, they follow the normal bunker rules. The infantry inside of it are really hard to hit because now it's a plus four against you on your roll. Um, so also what I've done is I've added a couple little extra rules to bunkers. So unip- units occupying the bunker, um, targeting enemy infantry artillery units uh, with 50% of their unit within three inches of the bunkers will suffer a hardcover modifier just due to the fact that there's that angle, you know, you can't really be peeking down the cliff kind of thing, uh, trying to shoot at these targets and whatnot. So to give that ally um, unit that has heroically, you know, gotten that distance across the beach, uh, an actual chance at doing something. Um, mm-hmm. So, which surprisingly actually didn't really come up too much. No, pretty much you had your guys in trenches there anyway. So, yeah. So, uh, also with that, artillery anti tank guns um, that are occupying these bunkers, um, they cannot target within three inches of the opening. And the gun slits also, I've given them a 45 degree angle from shooting, for shooting. Um, In some of the books, they give them, was it 180 degrees range? Like their their angle for shooting. But kind of looking at it, it's like, well, I don't think you can really swing your gun parallel to the front of your facing of your bunker doesn't make sense to me so yeah yeah it just seems silly i never even honestly we were playing that it was a standard just like buildings yeah uh the whole time basically until we randomly were looking something else up and saw (laughs) yeah i I actually was looking at the bunker rules and stuff in the back of the d-day book and that's what most of the bunkers say it's a 180 degree arc but we, mm-hmm. ch- we changed that, so uh, I kind of like that a little bit better, a lot better, actually. Um, so there's that. So that's another special rule for terrain. The other one is trenches. Uh, so units in trenches, they, they'll get hardcover being shot at, except for the following. So when an enemy unit is firing down the line or from above the trenches... Um, to the occupying unit, they won't actually get a hardcover bonus. Yeah. Right? Um, Which makes sense. It's much like if if your guys are behind a small wall and the other guys are up against the other side of the same wall. Yep. 
it, it's silly to say that they get covered, you know. Yeah. So, uh, just think of the scene in, you know, Seven Private Ryan when they finally get up to the trenches and they're right on top of them, right? So, yep. that's that's that. Uh, check hedgehogs and, and, like, craters. So, what I've decided was um, each player has the 12-inch deployment. The next 12 inch going up to a, to the midway mark for the ally side coming up the beach is actually all rough ground. So included in that rough ground, that beachhead is covered in obstacles and obscuring, you know, hedgehogs and all that kind of stuff. And there's some craters. Um, so that whole section is going to, um, be considered light cover, right? Troops are going in, going out, trying to get cover from the head, you know, on the hedgehogs, that kind of stuff. Now, you know, game wise, model wise, miniature wise, stuff like that. Trying to clump that many hedgehogs together to actually like cover 50% of the unit is going to be hard to do. So yeah, essentially, really, you created a forest of yeah hedgehogs. So pretty simple. It follows the 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 basic area terrain. Only the area is you know basically like covered the entire yeah. beach. You know. Yeah, and uh, by doing that, you know, by by some people might disagree, but by doing that, it just makes it clear, simple. Like you can see everything, but it's light cover everywhere. Like it's, it's, that's cut and dry. That's it. There's no, because what it is, is the thing too, is like the terrain, you know, putting all this time and effort into making this custom terrain as well, putting it on the board and it does nothing. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yes, the craters could do something count counted as light cover, not hard cover, just due to the angle of, of the, you know, towers and stuff. But uh, the, you know, 70 Czech hedgehogs that I'm making or have made, I should say, they're just for show. Um, I'd rather have them actually be in effect for something. So, um, so that's them. Uh, again, the water and the beach, so it's rough ground. Hills and rock facings, so essentially the the bunker hills, it's also considered as rough ground, but it is not considered area terrain. So um, you couldn't see across it anyways, because they are actually quite high, but it allows units to be shot at allows things to happen right so mm -hmm. so so that's that's it for the special rules and stuff for this scenario it i know it sounds like a lot but it's not really it's it's very simple so um now the victory conditions we we played our game um there's a lot of back and forth there's a lot of casualties happening um, you know, there was, um, flanks kind of collapsing and then all of a sudden a resurgence of 
troops have flooded that side and like taken taken the the corner for the day kind of thing uh victory conditions we i had designed two different sets of victory conditions to see how they worked out now the one we went with was essentially um the ally player has to get into the axis zone deployment zone um and have more units in there than he did than the axis player um if you got that you would score 10 points right then i had a secret mission um not so secret but maximum of six points which is actually all you can really get for this for the allies is they have to try to blow up those uh, those bunkers and they get two points per bunker right which was crazy because like jason got on on and into the deployment zone plus he took out two bunkers mm -hmm. right and and took the day which was pretty cool so now he had to work to get there yeah <laughs> right so, yeah there was no uh no easy like i said it was really turn five the beginning i thought well this wasn't even a challenge for andy he's gonna mop the floor with me you know feeling bad that i didn't offer a good challenge at least and to turn five, I'm like, I got this in the bag. <laughs> Beginning no. of turn six. Oh, goodness. This is not going well for me. Hmm. And uh, I thought you, you squeaked it out. And then end, I saw, okay, I kind of, I think I got this. So it was really yeah. just up and up and down for that. Oh, yeah. That little part. And the first, I mean, really, the first couple turns was just, you pounding the crap out of me just as I'm moving up, slogging it across the difficult terrain. Yeah. Uh, trying to get up the beach with yeah, those infantry units. Yeah. Yep. And just, I mean, yeah. And I just couldn't do nothing against your, your guys in the bunkers. Like, honestly, I, I barely hit anything. Well, and, and that was, and that was the thing, like in my bunkers, the three bunkers. So I had, um, when I built my list, I didn't go super crazy with it. I didn't take grenadier squads and fill them up full of assault guns and, and MMGs and stuff like that. Right. I essentially took, uh, infantry squads with one LMG and, and rifles and an SMG for the, the NCO, like I usually kind of do. Um, I did take a one veteran unit of grenadiers that had uh, two LMGs in it, right? Stuck that in the middle, and he, they were pretty effective. Um, and then I took an 88 for artillery, threw it in the artillery bunker, and uh, he landed some good hits uh, yeah. on Jason's units. Um, but, like, essentially, that's what was in my bunkers, my other infantry and whatnot were, you know, they kind of ran into the trenches and then started firing. Um, but like, I only really had like outside of the, the units in the bunkers, I only had two other squads of infantry in the trenches. And then everything else was like a mortar team, 
sniper team, you know, Panzer Shrek, flamethrower team. I mean, my flamethrower did some work, but um, it wasn't full squads firing down the line at you, you know? Yeah. Right? Yeah. Probably not the best army specifically for that scenario. Yeah. But certainly a balanced army, which would serve you well in the other scenarios too. Like it's not bad for this scenario, just not ideal. I think more infantry would have been on point. Panzer Shrek was probably uh, extra points. Yeah. But in other scenarios, that Panzer Shrek is going to be on point. So well, I think in the context of the event, it would have been a perfectly fine list. Yeah. In the context of that scenario alone, I pro- I wouldn't take a tank. I wouldn't take a Panzer Shrek. Uh, you know, I'd uh, beef up my machine guns, which normally aren't that great, but causing pins and slowing them down. Yeah. Uh, might, but then again, in other scenarios, machine guns aren't. I'm not bringing as many as I can. Yeah. And I think I think with this um, as well, and, and people got to remember, this event isn't so much of you know you're playing for keeps for all your you know first place tournament winner kind of thing. This is a, a super fun uh, event. Come play some thematic games, you know, have some fun, uh, see how you do being the attacker defender on these missions and whatnot. Um, and just, and just playing it out. So like, you know, if, if these missions being a defender, if you're coming on when you got two tanks on your side, cause you went double reinforced platoons, well, mm-hmm. you, you might feel, you might feel the burn on that one. Right. So, um, but who knows? I haven't seen it yet. Um, but otherwise it's. It played out well. Um, going back to the victory points, uh, the Axis side essentially has the reverse. So uh, you want to have as more than the Allied Force does in your own zone. Uh, essentially, mm-hmm. you're gunning guys down and trying to destroy these units that are too close. And then you also have a secret mission. So you got to take out up to, up to a maximum of six points. Uh, these teams that have these the charges, so you'll get two points per unit up to a maximum of six. So I wanted to keep the points equal on both sides, right? Um, if it does come to a draw, then then I'll go to essentially kill points to see who got more kill points. Um, yeah. I don't see it going to a draw, but it, it possibly could. Um, the other way that, that I had done the victory points or, or the victory conditions was actually a lot of victory points. And I, I won't go into too much detail with that because we're not going to use it. Uh, but essentially, it really put the advantage on one, one side for points there was a lot more points to be had yeah and it, the, like we we did the we did the calculation and whatnot and 
like it was some high numbers on the one side compared to the other and it was like eh i don't know how i feel about that right so plus it's the whole goal is for the allies to get off that beach and on the other side so make that the objective right make that the game winning objective so so we'll go with that um and the nice thing too is is these secret missions uh do count for kind of uh a side point thing that i'll be tracking throughout the whole the whole day so um it'll be fun to see how players do with that how how many of those missions that they they get completed so but uh yeah no that was that's the victory conditions and whatnot special rules and the setup for the scenario um a lot of fun uh, it'll be great to see the miniatures on the board see players playing it all that stuff um and, and see how it goes so uh any other uh takeaways there jason like on on the mission what you thought um any other ideas come to mind uh no i think i think i kind of threw them out there uh again it was fun fairly balanced uh we both had roughly equal measures of bad luck and good luck <laughs> so kind of it, like good usual when you're trying to, well no like usually it's one of us just shits the bed shits for the bed. luck yeah and uh and, you know so it uh, but that's not helpful when testing a scenario. <laughs> yeah, no kidding, right? Makes for a fun game, but uh, it's not helpful. No. Uh, but this one we actually kind of evened out on the on the luck front. Yeah, uh, which was good, and I think uh, yeah, it was really up and down. It was a tough fight. It was uh, made it cinematic. I had to move across the table, which. I mean, honestly, you're landing on a beach. You expect to have to deal with bunkers and move off the beach. Anything else is, you know, secondary. So yeah. having those as the main objectives just makes sense. Yeah, so for sure, I liked I like having all that in there, uh, and then having a tool to take out the the bunkers. And uh, making it an objective for the uh, for the defender too. Uh, can't speak as the defender, but I I would be sweating bullets trying to take those units out. Yeah, so, you uh, you really have to look at like target priority, right? And yeah. like, like okay, you know what? Some of my calls weren't the greatest. Maybe like your your light mortar was just throwing pins and. Really? My light mortars were on fire. I brought two of you them, know. one in the one in the reinforcements and one with the main force. And they oh man, they were just chucking lead, pal. They were well, lighting they, it up. They they messed up my center bunker, right? So Yeah. Just hit on the first hit on the first shot and just started plunking down pins. Uh, pins. Now it's yeah. a light mortar. It's not I mean it's nothing to write home about. But uh, still, yeah, it's it it did uh, mess up that team, which uh, 
that was your squad, your main, like your big. That was my veteran squad. squad. Yeah. With the two LMGs, with a clear line of view, they're taking those pins, forced you to rally, which you failed. Yeah. Uh, and then, you know, which is a big deal when you're talking six turns and you have a, a unit that can't participate in one of them. Yeah. That really hurts their effectiveness, right? It's, uh, it reduces it by 15%, just not counting anything else they do in the game. You've reduced their effectiveness, uh, by their not being able to act in that turn. So hundred percent, yeah. 100%. And light motors are kind of cool looking. <laughs> there was all of the models across all of the armies. They have cool poses. A lot of them. I really do like those models. Nice. Anyway, Brando, yep. there you go. But up, up. That's what I got. Very good. Very good. So yeah, that kind of concludes, uh, that little scenario. So let us know what you guys think. Um, as, as you guys who are partaking in the event, this kind of gives you an opportunity to kind of look at what things to come. Um, especially for that mission, maybe a little bit of pre preparation for it. Um, so by all means, you know, hit me up, message me. If you have any questions, that kind of stuff, help you out as much as I can. Uh, and then for you guys out there who, you know, maybe you guys like this scenario or maybe there's ideas you want to throw at me as well, by all means, hit me up as well. Just post it, you know, um, or maybe you guys have done the same kind of thing and built your own scenarios, had your, your games and you've come across little rules and whatnot to, uh, to use in the, in the scenario that really do does its justice kind of thing right so um so yeah there's that and uh speaking of of like scenarios and whatnot uh just going down the road you know uh recurrent manner mission that i'll be winding up starting to to really look at and and do um of course you know there'll be like spiking the guns and whatnot and kind of different deployments um, and even a, a little bit of maybe a surprise, uh, little tactic thing that Jason had mentioned to me on the weekend there. Um, we kind of bantered with some ideas back and forth. Um, so we'll have that mission kind of going. There'll be a nice little special one too. I got to build, uh, trench, trench lines and stuff for that, which would be pretty fun to do. Uh, the classic Bacage mission, uh, from last year with maybe a little bit of adjustments. And I think that one is going to be more of, you got to try to take control of the roads. Um, so there'll be objectives to take on for that. Right. Um, so there's that. I'll have to figure something out. Maybe some other little secret mission for that one too. Um, what else is there? There's also, Village, uh, yeah. There's gonna be like a little village um, to to go after as well. I'll have to figure that one out. Um, maybe you're searching for hidden supplies or something like that. I might have to put uh, maybe a supply uh, supply rule into that game too, where you're slightly limited on what you have. 
Um, sounds familiar, doesn't it, Jason? Oh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, so yeah, stuff like that. I try to, you know, overall, uh, I do, you know, take ideas from the current scenarios and whatnot and try to fit them in so that they're not too, um, too much for a player to have to deal with in a game, like in an event setting, but just enough to give them a little bit of a different game, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, so small little extra rules are good. Uh, some extra rules can be, you know, uh, can really bog things down a bit, which I don't really want to see happen in, in, in event games and stuff, you know, like if you're playing with your buddy and you want to play for six hours, then, you know, by all means, right. But, um, yeah, I just want, want everybody to come out, have fun, have fun with the missions and then hopefully get some good feedback as well, uh, from it all. Um, just so that I can keep creating things for, for next year as well. Um, and in saying that, you know, planning out for next year, um, I'll probably end up, of course, we'll have events, um, but I'll probably end up building some more tables as well. Um, and then looking at different theaters, different areas of the world that, you know, you can fight over and stuff, uh, be it possibly Italy, um, just due to the fact that there's been a lot of stuff coming out. There's a lot of scenario books, uh, it could be a lot of fun, um, Pacific, Africa, you know, uh, we, we, we have done a lot of Europe, you know, over the last, I don't know how many years. Mm -hmm. So it'd be nice. Pacific would be interesting to do a lot of jungles, you know, uh, I have ideas in my head for like, uh, um, aircraft runways, you know, hangars, that kind of stuff. Sweet. So, Yeah. So yeah, that's kind of where we're at. Uh, got a little bit, a month and a half to go here for the event. It'll be a lot of fun. I hope everybody's uh, painting away, building away. <laughs> um, I know Jason's going to be hard on top of that, trying to get stuff done, but uh, <laughs> it should be good. It'd be, it'd be good to see everything pop off and players having fun. And then... Uh, yeah, I know I, I still got some work ahead of me with terrain too, right? So, um, but yeah, it should be good. So, um, again, Jason, thanks for, for being on the show as always. No worries. And, uh, thanks everybody for listening. Hope you enjoyed. Uh, of course, you know, check out our socials, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, and then wherever you're listening to this, um, episode. And, uh, check out our Patreon. If you feel like donating something or anything, just hit us up. And, uh, thanks to one of our sponsors as well, uh, for just sending us little trinkets and stuff, um, just for miniatures to show off and whatnot. We'll put all that in the description and yeah. Thanks everybody for tuning in. Hope you enjoyed. Catch you on the battlefield. Blah, 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 blah.